Welcome to War Room, the Hockey Podcast uh, this week. Um, back ho- in the studio. Hockey is, hockey is back. Um, as we record in the background of our recording right now is hockey is playing. Game one right now uh, between the Rangers and Hurricanes is going on as we record this. Um, so playoff hockey is back. It's interesting without fans, but um, one thing I have noticed is that it's surprisingly not without intensity and without noise so it really does it really does sound like normal playoff hockey the only difference is the camera when you look at the screen you can see that there's no fans in the building that's the only all it is but after watching a few pre uh exhibition games and watching the first couple of periods or so a couple of games in the in the play-in the only time i notice it is when there may be maybe a questionable call or non-call and you don't hear from everybody. Other than that, once you get just involved in watching the game itself, the game is the same. And the only people that are probably happy there's no fans is the referees because they don't have to listen to it. But other than that, it all it's all absolutely the same. And I'm with you. The intensity has been awesome. Yep. No, it's good. Um, good conversation. Uh, last week, uh, the episode will drop um, here this coming week, um, but a good conversation last week, um, and things are kind of jumbled here in the intro as we explain it. Um, uh, the episode of recording at this moment uh, will drop in two weeks. Uh, we recorded an episode uh, last week, had a good conversation with Brandon Pugnier, uh that will drop um, this coming week. Um, so while we're talking about the Hurricanes and Rangers playing game one as we record this, we'll be well within, maybe even done with uh, the play in round, even by the time this oh, episode drops. Yeah, um, but, for sure. but, uh, just want to give an explanation of that just in case there's any confusion as to the, the uh, the content and the timeline of things. Um, so, but yeah, anyways, the point is we had a tremendous conversation with Brandon Punia that will, that will drop. Um, he's kind of becoming a regular for us. Um, and so it was a good conversation there. Good uh, voice was, for minor hockey for uh, sure. That was more your episode, um, more your stuff. It was stuff that you well, were cu- you were curious about and everything like that. But nonetheless, it was a um, good good content, good conversation about um, what kids and what teams and players are doing to uh, stay active, uh, stay healthy and prepared, and stay in shape um, during all this. So, and you will have already heard that episode by the time you hear this one. Yes. So by the time you hear this one, you will have heard that one. Um, but we are just um, basically. Going over the going over the notes a little bit. It was a good conversation, yeah. and, and we we enjoyed it a lot. He's so. such a such a good influence. He and that that whole organization, Kelly and and Dave Clarkson and and uh, Kelly Hollingshead, uh, just really really awesome guys for the game, giving back to the players, and and they've got a great thing going. And and it's not just about winning. They're teaching things the right way. They're teaching young people and young players to be the right kind of guys. And I absolutely stand up and salute them for that. Absolutely. Um, anything you want, you wanted to touch on in the intro here about um, developmental hockey or anything like that as we um, transition here? Well, the only thing that on my mind, as we talked about prior, is that minor hockey just uh, hopefully, like Brandon said, hopefully they're going back to work as as usual. They've they've had tryouts, they've had selections, they've had camps. Uh, they're in the full swing of preseason and and practice and and on ice training right now 
and without fans in the building, which minor hockey does not rely on on gate revenue, without fans in the building, there is no reason for these guys not to continue to go. Uh, they'll be confined with their teams, and uh, as they go to showcases and tournaments where there are, you know, sixteen or twenty-four minor hockey teams in one of these uh, in one of these AAA showcase tournaments, then you may have I don't know you may have a hundred scouts in the building, but in a normal building. You can have all the distancing you want. There's no reason for them not to play. I hope they do play. I hope there's no excuses uh, that somebody comes up with why they shouldn't because the kids deserve to be on the ice and be developing. This is their time, and they need to be out there. So uh, hopefully that's happening, and uh, we hope that you know for minor hockey in general and for Brandon and his group that uh, things progress. Yep, agreed. Uh, so anyways, uh, this is Episode 64 of War Room the Hockey Podcast. Um, Make sure you head to the necessary social media platforms you like and you follow us there. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Rate and review. Um, make sure you help us continue to help us grow, and we greatly appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so settle in. We'll be right back with you. This is episode 64 of War Room, the Hockey Podcast. back episode 64 of war room the hockey podcast um this week we're kind of covering things the excitement that hockey's back and and going um amongst another uh, amongst a bunch of other things um yeah the the bubble has done has done a tremendous job yeah it has they've they've really they really seem to have controlled this the right way the guys and the individual guys and the organizations have taken it on themselves to really make sure that uh, that they've stayed uh, stayed healthy. And it's not, uh, as you know, it's not so much a matter of not testing positive; it's a matter of getting sick. So, exactly, there have been the odd positive tests over the last few months, but right now, inside the bubble, there aren't. Well, there so, there aren't. They're like, and knock on wood. I mean, anything can happen, but they're the only sports league that's done it the right way. Yep. Um, so. The NBA operates is operating within hub cities in a bubble, but um, the NHL, especially compared to baseball is doing it the right way. Yep. They, they are. they're uh, two hub cities. You stay in the bubble. When you get there, you, ha- when you get to the, to the bubble, you're there's testing on a daily basis. you, you are it's mandatory that when you when you get there the first 5 days you stay in your room amongst your team and that's it yeah. you don't go into the lounges and everything like that where you mingle with other players and everything you stay with your team for the first 5 days and then you can start to venture out in at least within the bubble and and mingle around a little bit they they've done it the right way and for two or three weeks straight now 800 plus players and staff and all these people and zero positive tests now pull your head out of your ass and realize that positive tests mean jack shit when it comes to the virus like you said in regards to getting sick there's a difference between testing positive for something and getting sick or passing it to somebody i can i can I can go in and feel funny because I've got the flu, but I'm not 
doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to pass it to you. No. Or it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to be hunched over the toilet <laughs> or re, re, refunding my lunch, right? So there's, there's a difference between the two. The point being, though, zero positive tests in two and a half, three weeks now of 800-plus personnel right. in the NHL and, and everything like that. You don't want to embarrass anybody, so we won't... I won't say names personally of people that I've spoken to about it, but it makes you realize that people kind of need to educate themselves a little bit on it and don't just make the assumptions out of buying into the fear of the virus that that all this is going to happen and things are going to shut down and all this stuff and make yeah. sure you understand that make sure you educate yourself make sure you understand that the league's doing it the right way that there's safety protocols in place for a reason all these things and that hey three weeks without a positive test wow we're trending in the right direction for the nhl even if even if the first part of next season is again no fans the point is we're seeing a trend in the right direction to where the nhl is making it so they can they can play and not have to not have to pause again things are done the right way that's right and if you have to get a test done to find out if you have it then it is not a big deal like you guys walk in there perfect and this is not just nhl players this is everybody in every area of life save for those you know maybe of a certain age or a certain risk level you you've got the you've got the virus you're walking around with the virus you get tested and you test positive and otherwise you would never have known that you had it so yeah don't buy the fear yeah uh we did talk uh, last week with one NHL insider that will remain nameless for now uh, or for good. Um, great, great guy and a great resource who said that he was concerned that the league may run into some positive test results that would cause generally public health officials or pro- provinces of Alberta or Ontario to ask them to shut back down. Or that may be happening out in the public, but if if the public has an out uh, has a a lot of positive tests, which is again, it's a good thing. Uh, will that affect their willingness to let the NHL continue? Yet to be seen, but anyway. Well, it's it's another one of those things where, from a player perspective, and I'm no expert, despite everything I just said. I'm no. I think I'm you, no yeah, you are. Okay, I'll say I'm an expert. Um, the, the reality of it is, though, with the pipeline, right, that teams have with um, the resources they have for extra players on the roster and for these things under normal circumstances through injuries and things, let alone anything else, to me, it would take to me, it would take a lot for for of players getting getting this for them to shut down. Right. From a player perspective, for me, it would be like what you're seeing with the Miami Marlins in baseball right now. It would be like an entire team just getting infected, yeah. multiple teams across the league getting th- from top to bottom all the way through getting infected for them to kind of go, oh, OK, we're going to stop. A couple players here and a couple players there. All that means is now, OK, we test everybody else. We we sanitize. We do what we need to. We su- isolate them. They quarantine. They whatever. And in steps so-and-so from the AHL affiliate to fill in that spot. I mean, that that's really what, from a playing perspective, that's really what we're looking at. Yeah, um, I from a public health perspective, okay, that might be a little different, right, wrong, or indifferent, no matter our views on the virus, right? But from a playing perspective, 
there, I think, especially in the NHL, their teams and organizations have done such a tremendous job with the safety and the health aspect of isolation and quarantine and sanitization and um, all these different things, bubble this and mask that and whatever else that, again, no matter our personal feelings on the virus, they're just, they've done such a tremendous job that first of all, to me, it seems like a stretch to say that, that teams are going to have an outbreak of all this. Where would it come from? Let alone, let alone, them shutting down play because players yeah test positive. I, and so i think it, that was early on I, I i think you're right obviously the results speak for themselves and once you get this far in uh and as of the as of the date of this drop we're going to be you know we're, we're easily into the first actual round the qualifier is over and the first round is underway so we're we're going to have a real strong read that this is good and everybody's there, there's going to be no turning back this will be fine no, it's uh, what what are your impressions so far on what you've seen? It's good, good hockey. I I know that the original concern was no fans, lack of the at, lack of atmosphere, and it might be hard to get in into the rhythm of a playoff like contest. Um, I'm gonna, but the, but I, I kind of scoffed at that from the get go before seeing anything, just because it's like. You're dealing with playoff hockey. You're dealing with grown men. You're dealing with the Stanley Cup. Fans are no fans. They're they're invested and they're there to win. And the compete level is going to be there. Yeah. You you provide them the opportunity to play, and they're gonna it's going to be there. It's and nice that it's nice that they toss pucks to kids during yeah. warm up. It's nice that they come around after in the tunnel or outside in the parking lot and sign a few autographs. But. At the heart of it, they're players, yep. and that by definition they play. Yep. So, just being players, once that puck drops, as you've seen already through all of the all of the play-in games and the and the exhibition games, when play starts, it's game right on. Yep. The, it's right back to normal. There's hatred. There's animosity. There's territorialism. There's hitting. There's you can even hear the chirping better without the fans. And to me. I'm a little bit like you just alluded to. I'm, I take the opposite of approach to it. To me, a building full of fans, as you know, I'm not a big, I'm not a fan of going to a lot of games. It, it, it's irritating. The fans are a distraction. They take away from the game. They're constantly banging the, on the glass. Yeah, and you know, but they've got the rubber the horns and, and, and yeah, uh, carrying on about calls and. The jumbotron is always on, telling them when to make noise and when to shut up and everything else. I, it's just a, it's kind of a, it, it's a nice break to just have the pure game happening and nothing else. I, th- I think it's, I think it's good, but that's just now. Me. Long term, it won't stay that way. No, um, health wise, once things get figured out and they start bringing fans back in the building, that you know, revenue amongst other things, fans in the seats is kind of the driving force. Sure. But, um, I, I get what you're saying. It's a nice reprieve, I guess, from from some of the distraction. It's it's puck drop to, to puck drop rather than kind of the messiness in between. Right. Um, and I, we can debate on on what we agree with in terms of that stuff. Like the R- Rockets game we went to with a uh, friend of the show right. um, and everything. And, and the complaints about um, 
the big inflatable um, thing that the players skate through and, <laughs> yeah. and not liking that. And it's too showy and this and that. Yeah. Well, I disagree with that just on the basis that this is the time we're in and, and it's part and yeah, sport is as much entertainment as it is anything else. Bang um, on. Bang now, on. however, again, debate on certain things like that, but we can agree that there are some things that can be distractions. So it's nice to not have those. Look, mascots, as hilarious as they are, the inflatable entry things that a lot of teams have where you skate out of the tunnel, uh, the music and the highlights on the Jumbotron and a lot of the things that go on in the building, they're not just for fans, they're for young fans. You've got to attract the seven, eight, ten-year-olds, the teenagers, the the uh, you know the demographic that is not there purely for the game yet. You got to attract them, and it's entertainment. So there's got to be there's got to be some fluff in it because uh, you know if you took if you took today's garden variety eight year old to a Montreal Toronto game in 1964 they wouldn't know what to do with themselves. Yep. There's a, there's just a different environment that, that wouldn't play today. So yep. I, I'm fine without it, but that's me. I'm old and, and uh, I don't care. <laughs> but it's true. You do need the mascots to take pictures with the kids. And you do need, yeah. you know, that, that type of stuff. And, and all where that would stuff. we be without you need the, gritty? You need the dance cam so the kids yeah. can get up and move around and all that stuff. So you, you need it. Remember um, dancing Mike? Yes. I wish they'd bring back dancing Mike. Yeah. He was a great but one. No, uh, but for this year anyway, it's a nice reprieve, I guess. From, yeah. And because you're the intent, I've noticed to get back to the original question, I've noticed that the intensity is no different. No, not at all. The physicality and the intensity is no different, which is which is surprising too. With how much these players are also mingling with each other in the bubble, they're riding the same elevator, they're riding everything like that. It's honestly, it's honestly back to youth hockey. Sure, it is. You, where you'd go to a tournament and you'd share you'd share a hotel with the with three other teams that you're playing against in the tournament, and yeah, you'd play each other on the ice, but then you come back to the hotel, you're riding the same elevators, you're eating at the same restaurants, and and you're and the kids are bonding over knee hockey in the hallway despite playing for different teams, yep. right? It's, it's that type of feel where now they're going to go bond over ping pong and whatever back in the, back in the hotel, back in the bubble, right? It's, but on the ice, right? It's so right it, back to normal. Like, as you remember, maybe have, a, maybe have a kid who is in your class, in your grade in school, in your school, but on weekend, you're playing against them. You're, you're one of your best buddies from school and on the weekend you have to play against them. And this is the same way. And it's funny you bring that up. This is this whole deal looks so much like minor hockey to me because you've got all the teams here. There's no fans in the building. Everybody's playing all day long and all night long. It's just, it, it's 12 hours, 15 hours a day of pure hockey overload and there's no fans. It and looks it, yeah. just like a minor hockey tournament that we went to hundreds of times. So well, it is. And it's there cool. Was a, I there like was it. A, it is. There was a picture uh, during a, an overtime game of one of the exhibitions, and in the corner in the Zamboni entrance area, there's a team that's playing after you, watching the watching the overtime. Right. Just and that, like and it, that is just like high school <laughs> hockey or youth hockey, growing up, where games throughout the afternoon or evening or the day and while you're getting dressed and getting ready, you're standing at the glass watching the game that's going on exactly. before you. That, that's, I so, hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Now, if, they, if there is 
if you could go to the, if you could take a camera to the parking lot and there was 15 or 20 dads out there on the back of a pickup truck, just sitting on the tailgate sucking beer, then you would have a minor hockey tournament. If everybody's dad was out there having a few cold ones, then you got it. Yep. But I did see too, TJ Oshie refuses to change his pregame rituals. So he's tossing pucks into the stands. <laughs> Even though there's no fans, the way he the way he does before every game when there's kids in there or whatever, he's tossing pucks. Nice. And they asked him why, and he's like, "I'm not changing. It's my ritual, man." <laughs> he's so, such a good kid. I really like him. So no, it's good. But no, the, the game the game is good. The intensity's there. Um, it is something to get used to aesthetic wise to look and not see a crowd, right? Yeah. It's aesthetic wise to look at a TV screen and kind of go, "Wait a minute." Where's, where's the 15,000 people? If you, this is a little, right? It yeah. takes a minute to get used to. But when when you get into it, and you can even, as we record here, you can hear in the background the music playing from the Jumbotron, right? right. And, and all this stuff. When you get that kind of stuff, the noise is still there. It just takes a moment to get used to aesthetic-wise when you're looking at it. It is a different feel. Very different. Way. Once you notice it. I yeah. found myself the first few games just not even paying attention to the fact that there were no fans. It was, it was wonderful because I don't, I don't normally look at that anyway. And it's nice to just not, like I said earlier, just not have that distraction. Yeah. No, so it's, it's good. So I like the intensity. I like the fact the guys are back full bore. I think there's a lot of pent up aggression being let out, especially in the, like we saw in the, uh, the play in round. Now, the one thing I we, will say that I was, that I'm, curious about um and it's playoff hockey this is more of a rhetorical type of statement and question than anything but um i'm curious to see with the quick turnover if everything stays healthy and and free of positive tests and all this stuff um with the quick turnover between this and the 2021 season yeah um how does that affect the intensity level as the playoffs move deeper and deeper do you start seeing te- the games start pulling up slightly just for the sake of not wanting to risk a Nathan McKinnon being out for the majority of 2021 due to ankle surgery because he's now he's now banged up, right? That type of stuff. Um, so it, to me, it's, it's just one of those curiosities that I have of as it goes deeper, what kind of level of play are we going to see? Just because there, Just because there's now no playoffs and then three or four months of golf course and weight room and all this stuff (laughs) now it's now it's you finish in october and within two weeks you're at the draft and then within another week you're free agency and then within two weeks after that you're back on the ice right so that quick turnover where guys aren't really spending time getting healthy after that so short answer to that for me no uh once you get into that once you get into the second, third, fourth round of the playoffs, once you get down to that point, no one is thinking 10 minutes beyond the end of the season. Yep. Not for a second. They are giving her all, and and there's just no, there's no containing any of that. Nobody's thinking about next season. Nobody's thinking about December 1st or anything else. It is just giver. Yep. No, I agree. So it was more of a rhetorical type th- uh, thought than anything. But... Um, Real quick, uh, before we before we finish, um, before we uh, first of all, uh, next few weeks are going to be a, a little shorter episodes just to get some content out. Um, but before we finish, um, is there 
anything you want to touch on before we close out? Just finish, just finish off and, and close out before we before we get into it. Um, so think about that, and we will be right back with you. Beautiful. As we settle back in here um, to close this week's episode out, um, I think the important thing that uh, I think as we thought about it and discussed um, off recording before we came back um, to discuss, as we've already seen throughout the playoffs at this point, um, is goaltending. Boy, I've never in in my generation, I've never seen it quite like this where so many teams are so closely matched eastern conference especially there's a less than a 10 percentage point win differential between between like third or four by the between the flyers and the bottom of the east and so you see you've already seen the impact of Bobrovsky, carrie price um, you know merzlikens hellebuck uh Mrazic, Rene, Rask. Uh, I mean, you're seeing all these guys, then the impact they have, if they're not 100% on their game or if they are. Yeah. And and the difference between that might be a 2-1 win or a 3-2 loss, eh? Yep, no, agreed. So uh, whether they're still in the playoffs or not, uh, goaltending, good or bad, has is kind of the driving force in today's game anyway of... Um, the success of, of, of teams right. and, it, and it's deep and it's deeper than one, right? It's, it's the goalie tandem. Oh, so yeah. if, if it's the, if it's, um, Grubauer and you don't have Francois, right? If it's, um, Holtby, but you don't have Samson off, right? If it's, um, well, you've got pick a guy. I mean, if you, if you've got, you, you got Ben, Ben Bishop in Dallas with Hudobin, if you um, Vasilevsky and, um, and his partner. I mean, if you don't, yeah. if you don't have, if you don't have the tandem anymore, that hurts you too. Because yeah. even, even a Vesna guy like Carey Price, if he's, if he's not healthy or he's not playing well and you don't have a guy that can step in, uh, like, uh, a couple of years ago, um, Varlamov went down and the Avs had Bernier and Bernier stepped down and, and helped back the Avalanche to a 10 game win streak. Like if you don't have the tandem to have, to be able to have somebody that can step in and when you ho- help win your hockey games. So the goaltending is, is deeper than just your Vesna trophy finalist, all-star goaltender. No, absolutely. It's, there's a tandem it, aspect to it. That's a, that's a hundred percent bang on. I, that's why you don't have the big questions about Pittsburgh because they've got two great goalies there. You've got two great goaltenders in Dallas. You've got two really, really good goaltenders, world-class guys in Vegas. Uh, you've just, when, when you've got the two-headed monster like that, you're not as exposed. The Rangers had, you know, they had the goaltending depth. The teams that, you know, you got to wonder about, I mean, I, like you mentioned, Vasilevsky, uh, how... As he goes, so go the Lightning. Same with Holtby. Um, a Toronto interesting study. A few months ago, 
Freddie was Freddie was it. If Freddie goes down, pack your stuff. Now with Jack Campbell, I, you know, there it's a it's an entirely different uh, entirely different program there. Not just for now, but going going right into next year. Um, Kemper in in Phoenix and you know on down the line. But it, the bottom line here is goaltending is absolutely pivotal, and it's not like somebody's going to go out there and stink. A guy can just give up a bad bounce. You can have a bad period, and your series is over. Yep. So, the the goaltending is just more. I think it's more critical now that I've ever seen it, and and spread a blanket across the entire league in that regard. Nope. Agreed. Agreed. So, um, but yeah, fun to watch. It is fun to watch. Um, as we've seen it, as this drops, uh, you hockey fans out there would have already seen uh, either the close of the play-in round or pretty darn close to it. And at that point. Uh, you, you will have gotten a glimpse into um, the goaltending, and and the, I and the goaltending has, um, as we talk about it now, as because the play-in round's over. The yep. goaltending has, um, and looking it's, back on the play-in round matchups, they the winners of the play-in round are winners because the goaltenders the backed goal them tending. to it. I mean, and, it, and it's nothing against you know your your goal scorers, no. but, but the ones you're seeing now. Pl- that you're seeing now as we move forward here um, and start seeing, you know, the St. Louis and the Colorados and the Bostons and everything start to match up with guys. Yeah. The ones but that they, are stepping into those matchups are there because of their goaltender. Yep. So and will continue to be. Yep. And in, in the case of the goaltending, it's not, like I said, it's not like somebody is just playing bad. It, it, you know, in, in comparison to golf, it would be a putt that lips out instead of dropping in. Or a, or a check swing that goes for a double down the line instead of being a, an, a lazy pop-up to, to third or first base. So yeah. it's just the, the margin is so razor thin, that it, uh, but it, it's one of those things that just makes you, keeps you on the edge of your seat. I yep. love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, uh, transition here, uh, touch on a couple more things here, and then we will close out. Um, Hey, I, I owe our listeners a bit of an apology, and uh, not not our listeners, but uh, but our old pal Graham Fraser. You mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, uh, making a statement on behalf of the BCHL, uh, coming back to work on December first, and I I passed right over it, but I dealt with him many years ago. Uh, he's a majority owner of the Penticton V's, great guy, owns or, or did own, might still, the uh, the Iron Man brand, invented it, owned it did a great job growing that whole Ironman triathlon brand into a, a the juggernaut of extreme fitness. Uh, a Barry Ontario guy and has given back to the game in enormous ways, not just his involvement with the V's, but his involvement league-wide. He's a billet for the Barry Colts. Uh, billeted Mark Shifley has just been a contributor to the game. And uh, if if he's listening, hats off to you, Graham. You're a wonderful guy and a very, very one of the most astute businessmen I've ever met and uh, and a wonderful human being and great for the game, a great ambassador. And my apology for overlooking a chance to salute you uh, when Evan mentioned uh, Graham Fraser's name a couple weeks ago. But And if, if you're not listening, you should be. <laughs> and exactly. uh, if anybody knows Graham, tell him to tune in to War Room, the hockey podcast, because we're, uh, we're big fans here. Absolutely. Good well, you, well speaking, of, um, speaking of Barry, um, shout out to Dale Howarchuk. Oh, um, yeah. Gosh. Isn't that battling uh, 
in a, in a tr- tremendous fight right now with cancer. So um, he's a tremendous guy for um, that we've seen through the history of the game, um, as well as what he's done to give back to the game. So um, hats off to him. Prayers for for him and his family. And yes. um, if there's and, if there's anybody in the hockey community that can that can combat it and come back from it, it's it's him. So. Yep. Uh, Good on uh, Dale Howarchuk, and we look forward to seeing him back with smiles in some capacity in Definitely. in the hockey community here in yeah. the future. So our our game needs more guys like Ducky, and uh, here's to you, pal. Uh, God bless you, and and keep the fight. Uh, we're we're on your side, and and one of the great players. Look him up if you're not real familiar for one one of our younger listeners. Uh, look his stats up. He's uh, he's amazing. And if he didn't have to play against Wayne Gretzky every night uh, in the old uh, Smythe division back in the 80s and 90s, he would have been gone down in history as one of the absolute top players ever. He still is, just didn't get the notoriety. Yep. So but. hats off to him. Uh, prayers and blessings his way and his family's way. Absolutely. Um, also, uh, prayers and blessings uh, to the family and the widow of Colby Cave as Edmonton is... Um, has embarked on their playoff journey um, for the sake of the listeners. Um, we won't spoil or reveal anything about how they did in the in the, the play-in. Um, you'll, if you're a true hockey fan, you're watching and you know, because by the time you listen to this, it will have already concluded. But um, either way, uh, for the sake of the blanket broad strokes of it, um, what Edmonton has done and continues to do for uh, Colby Cave and his family has been yeah. tremendous. Um, Boston has paid tribute to him as well. Um, hats off to his widow. Um, his widow is uh, is being very brave about things, but she is also getting a lot of, unfortunately for today's world, a lot of um, hate and mean comments from people. Um, how in the world is that even possible? I don't even, you know, I, I don't I, even want to know. That's why I'm not on social media. I, it, Shame I, on I you, don't, idiots. I don't either. Uh, one of the comments, and this will be the only one I share, was before he passed, um, Colby and his wife got a puppy. Um, Colby and the puppy were like best buds. <laughs> um, and his widow has now shared photos of Colby with the dog. Um including one of the last videos as she captioned it, uh, one of the last videos she ever has of him, of Colby, um, was playing, was chipping golf balls um, and having the dog chase him. Um, and somebody, and it honestly makes me a little emotional even saying it because it baffles me that anybody could be this cruel in, in a situation like this. But um, one of the comments that she bravely shared too Right, bravely shared and commented on in her strength was um, something along the lines of, and I don't know it word for word, but it was, and I don't want to know it for word for word and memorialize this cruel person. But one of the comments was, um, "Stop treating your your dog like a like a child. You're not going to have children anymore with because of your dead husband. All yeah. this stuff." laughing faces and all this stuff ha ha ha's and everything and so it's um you are a coward it's a shame a reptile it makes me honestly kind of sick that there's people like that in the world that that can do that like it's one thing to have certain thoughts it's another thing to actually say that to somebody who it who is still 
only a few months, not years or anything, months removed from his passing. He only, pa- a- he only passed how long ago? And whether it was 20 years ago or it was yesterday, to say something like that to the widow of, of somebody just baffles me. Enough so, publicity for that so jackass. It, I, it is enough publicity. I just wanted to say it because she has, um, if you've followed her, if you've seen her, she has shown tremendous strength and um, to continue to move forward and to do these things in honor of Colby, in honor of her husband, um, and to see what the Oilers have done. Um, what the Bruins are doing, uh, uh, the two teams he played for, right. um, and all that stuff is tremendous. And so, our um, game is better than that. So our community is better than that. I uh, doubt she's she would ever listen to this, but uh, to to Emily Cave, um, M Cave, uh, good on you for your strength. Um, condolences to you and your family. Uh, stay strong. Um, yeah, what a, he was a neat kid and Colby, he was a young, Colby innocent will, guy. I, yeah. that's, a, that's tragic. Colby will, tragic. will live on forever because of you, um, and he is somebody that should live on in the hockey community. Um, he was never going to be a Connor McDavid-type player, but seeing him play for the brief time we did, he, he was going to carve himself out a very comfortable um, depth player-type National Hockey League career. He would have been and around for a long so, time. time. He is missed. He will be missed. So to his, to his widow and his family, continue with the strength. Prayers with you there. So Absolutely. Um, anyways, um, make sure you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe, rate and review. Continue, continue to help us grow. Um, make sure you head to Facebook and Instagram, War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, respectively. Make sure you like and you follow us there. Engage with us, write in, ask questions, comments, anything like that. Uh, we always appreciate that. Uh, thank you for joining in studio this week. I love it. Thanks for having me. Happy to have uh, hockey back going in front of us. And um, so, yeah, enjoy it. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs. I'm Evan Rauer with Warm the Hockey Podcast, and we'll see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.